What's up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome to our Sunday morning online Water's Edge worship experience. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'd like to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, all the grandfathers out there, all the good dads. Happy Father's Day. We love you so very much, and we love all of you. Welcome to the Water's Edge. This is a place that welcomes all, that loves all, and we are a place of radical, radical inclusion. So you've, if you know of anyone who's been hurt by church, rejected by church, they've had painful experiences with religious people, let them know about us. They will find love with us, and we hope that you find love today. Today we start a brand new series about having pride in our community, in our city, in our neighborhoods. Our community has been through so very much, and the people in our community have been through so very much. We've all been through difficult times We've seen difficult times, we have endured difficult times, we've rebuilt through difficult times, and we're continuing to rebuild through difficult times. We have come back from difficult times, and we're still trying to come back from difficult times. But God has placed all of us here for a purpose, to love on our community, and to show God's love to our community, and to also inspire a bit of pride for our city, and our neighborhoods, and our community. Now let me ask you a question. What would you consider to be one of your most embarrassing moments? I have several embarrassing moments, but what would be your most embarrassing moment, or at least one of them? I've been interviewed by KPLC a number of times, and every time I've been interviewed by them, I've always known ahead of time that they're going to show up to the church or wherever and interview me. So I would have time to get all the food out of my teeth, and if there's anything hanging out of my nose, I could get that, get all the cheese dip out of my beard and all that kind of good stuff, and I could make sure that I was camera ready. Well, I remember one day I was walking out of the gym downtown, and as I was walking out, there was KPLC out there, and they were just doing street interviews. And to be honest with you, I don't even remember what they were interviewing people about, but they grabbed me really quick and said, would you be willing to do a quick interview? And of course, I was like, yeah, I've done this several times before. What are we talking about? So they told me we did an interview. And the reason why I can't remember what we were talking about is because when I watched it back that evening on the news, <laughs> the only thing I could see was something huge hanging out of my nose. So here I am talking, smiling, just going at it with a booger the size of this microphone hanging out of my nose, and I was mortified, embarrassed. But there's all types of embarrassment that you and I can face. Something like that was just silly and funny, something lighthearted and goofy. You look back on it, and you just have a good laugh, like maybe you walked into a glass door one day, and you didn't know that it was closed or whatever. It's embarrassing, but it's funny. But then there's other things, like when you find out you've been lied to or gossiped about or attacked, or someone rejects you, or betrays you, or you've been made to feel weak and vulnerable, stripped of your dignity. This is the type of embarrassment that's actually humiliating, and it tears you open, and it can cause you to question your self-respect and your self-esteem, and it really causes you to lose a lot of respect that you had in yourself and in your esteem, and it just tears your dignity away. And let me just share my heart with you today. Our city and our surrounding communities have been hit with difficult times that has made us all vulnerable. It has stripped us down. There's hurt, we're exhausted, we're tired, we're torn down. But not only that, our people have been through the same thing. Many of you have been through the same thing. Our people feel vulnerable and tired and uncertain and stripped of our dignity. But people here are tough. But even the toughest of people still get tired. They still get hurt and they still get overwhelmed. But there has to come a time during times like this when people rise up to inspire, when people rise up to be a light that inspires people to take pride again in their community. 
and I don't mean the arrogant, sinful type of pride that we all deal with, the type of pride that'll keep somebody from apologizing or it'll keep somebody from forgiveness or it'll keep somebody from being humbled and it'll cause them to be selfish. The pride that I'm talking about is the type that causes you to believe in your strength again. It's the type that causes you to believe in your resolve again, to believe in your endurance again, to believe in your value again, to believe in your faith again, to believe in your God again, and to believe that you can be the type of leader that inspires people in your community to believe in itself again. And during times like this that we've all been through, it's my heart, it's my heart that our church would be a light that inspires people to take pride in themselves and in their community and in their city again. Check this passage out by the prophet Jeremiah. The nation of Israel is in exile in Babylon. And there's going to come a day when they make it back to the promised land, their homeland. But not anytime soon. And so Jeremiah, God through Jeremiah tells them, in the meantime, there's some things I want you to do. Notice what it says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives that he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes. And plan to stay, plant gardens, eat the food they produce, marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have grandchildren, multiply, do not dwindle away and work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for the city's welfare will determine your welfare. Notice the breakdown. You're in a tough situation. You're in exile. You're hurting. You feel like slaves, you're exhausted, you're tired, but don't dwindle away. Don't give up, multiply, build, plant, love the city that you're in because the welfare of the city that you're in will determine your welfare too. And then remember this, the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 22, verse 39. And the second commandment is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let me just again share my heart with you. As Christians and as the Water's Edge Church, even as the general church, we should seek the welfare of the place where God has placed us and God has placed us in southwest Louisiana. We have to love on it with God's love. We have to think of ourselves as sent here by God for his glory because we are. Pray to God on behalf of our city. Ask God to do great things and ask it to be done by the power of God and never lose sight that the ultimate good for the city brings ultimate glory to God and join us in serving our city. Christians should care about all suffering, not just about eternity, but about all suffering, especially what we're all living through right now. So love your neighbor, Jesus says, as yourself. I've always believed that if you're going to be a part of a church, then you need to understand that church. You need to understand the heart of that church and the mission and the purpose and the vision of that church, who we are, what we stand for, and why we got started in the first place. There's a lot of changes that started happening to me when I was pastor in my first church in a little country place called Starks. I remember some changes that was going on inside of me because I kept thinking there had to be a better way to do church. That church was 100 years old, wonderful people. I had a wonderful experience there. But to say that we were reaching just multiple people and just a lot of people would be a lie because we really weren't. We were just sort of maintaining. And I would lay awake at night wondering about different ways and creative ways to do church to show people the love of God. I can also remember that visitors would visit our church and most of the time they would never come back. And one day I was standing up preaching and I remember while I was preaching, I was thinking to myself in the back of my head, why didn't that visitor that I saw last week come back? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Tony, it's really because of you. 
It's because of this atmosphere. It's because of how y'all are doing church. It didn't make them feel welcomed. It didn't make them feel loved. It didn't make them feel encouraged. It didn't make them feel uh, encouraged to change and all those types of things. That's why they're not coming back. And so, man, I begin to think, how can I do church in a way that allows people who are hurting to experience the love of God? Then I left that church and went to another church that was a little bit bigger. And I began to see how love and acceptance could make a difference. But in that church, there, began to, there, there was a dispute, there was a division over the vision of no perfect people allowed because that's what we wanted. We wanted to create an atmosphere where there was no perfect people allowed. You could come just as you are. We know that when God gets a hold of you, you're not going to stay that way, but that's God's job. Our job is to love and to welcome and to accept people just as they are. And so people didn't like that. They thought that that was just too watered down. They thought that that was just too much of a compromise. They wanted me to beat people over the head about their sin whenever they came to church. And I was wanting to love people and help people. And I remember one day a man walked into my office, an older man, and he was weeping. And he grabbed me by my shirt. And he goes, Tony, I've never really heard much about God or Jesus. And he said, but I need the Jesus that you're talking about. He goes, I'm about to lose everything because I'm addicted. I'm about to lose everything and I need Jesus. And he just started weeping and weeping and weeping. And that man gave his life to God and God began to turn his life around. And I remember that day thinking, this is what I want church to be about. This man knew nothing about God when he started coming to our church. He had never been in church before. He doesn't know the language. He doesn't understand the Bible. All he knows is that he needed help and he's getting help on this day. And this is what I want church to be about. This is what I want ministry to be about. Love and grace and help and servanthood. I have several stories just like that. So we launched out in 2007 to create that kind of church. And over the next few weeks, I want to teach you about who we are, our heart, and what we do. And the first thing about our vision that I want you to understand today is this. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. We are a church that puts our faith into action. Notice what James, the half-brother of Jesus, says in James chapter 2, verses 17 through 18. So you see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say to you, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. I grew up in the type of churches that had their checklist. This is what we do as a church. We have Sunday morning Sunday school, and we have Sunday morning church. We have Sunday night Bible study, and we have Sunday night church. We have Wednesday night church. We have three revivals a year. We have three Bible conferences a year. We teach this about drinking. We we teach this about drugs. We teach this about dancing. We teach this about the Bible. We teach this about Jesus. We teach this about God. And then they would talk about, they would talk about doing good for the broken and the hungry and the hurting and the city and the neighborhood. But it was always like this when they talked about it. We got preached at as if to say, you as an individual, you should be doing good for people. You should be sharing your faith more. You should be doing more good for your neighborhood. You should be doing more good for your city. You should be doing more good for your community as an individual if you really love God. And it left you feeling guilty because you felt like you weren't doing enough. But it also left you feeling discouraged and frustrated because you didn't know what to do or where to start. Every time you'd go to church, you would always hear how you're not doing enough for God and enough for people. But you don't know what to do or where to start. So then we got started as the water's edge. And we knew that we wanted to be a church that not only put our faith into action and we didn't just sit around having Bible studies and talk about things that we should do, but we actually went out and do it. Most people are educated in the Bible well beyond their obedience to the Bible. And this is what I mean. Most people know so much about the Bible, they can't even put it into practice. 
and you want, you, you want to sit around and have another one? Another one? And so we want to be the type of church that put our faith into action, but also provided opportunities for you to put your faith into action. And this is why I notice this today. If you're still with me, say I'm still with you. We want to make God's love and God's kingdom visible. We don't want to just say God loves you and God's love can change your life. We also want people to see it. And so this is why we shelter the homeless when the weather's awful. This is why we feed 2,000 people a month out of our food pantry. This is why we help struggling families at Christmas time. This is why we let anyone, anyone volunteer in our ministries. This is why we gave away 300 free box fans one, one summer uh, to the elderly who couldn't afford to run their ACs. This is why we gave away 500 boxes of free diapers to single moms. This is why when we build buildings, we don't just build buildings for us, but we build buildings that can be shelters and pantries. This is why we've organized block parties to go into other neighborhoods to give out food and water and fruit and clothes because we believe in God and we believe in good and we believe in the fact that God's love can change a life, but we also believe in the fact that we want people to see God's love with no strings attached and not just heard. If you're still with me, I'm still with you. James chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. Notice what he says. Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? What good is your faith? It does no good to just say it, teach it, preach it. We have to show it. We have to put it into action. Today's Father's Day. I'd like to say that my dad taught me this. Not really by his words, even though he did teach and preach and say, be good to people and love on people, but mainly by what he did. I'll give you one example. When I was growing up, when I was in high school, there was a homeless man in the little town that we lived in. His name was Mr. Mack. He was an alcoholic. He was very sick. He was dying. He didn't have a place to live. Very sweet man, but he was going down uh, physically and, and medically because of his alcoholism. And everybody warned my dad, don't help him, don't help Mac. He's good for nothing. He'll never change. We've seen him like this his whole life. Church people, don't help him. He's a waste of time. You ever heard someone say that about someone else? I mean, they've been so down in the dumps in their life that people say they're a waste of time. They've broken so many promises. They've burned so many bridges. They've stabbed people in the back. And they're just a waste of time. That's what people told my dad about Mac. But my dad hired him to keep up the grounds and the landscaping at the church and at our house. And my dad paid him a little bit. Then my dad helped him get clean from his alcoholism. Then my dad put him in a cheap hotel. Then I remember him getting baptized. And then I remember the day that Mr. Mac got married. I remember when he got involved in church and he started paying tithes and all that kind of stuff. I remember when he got his own place to live. And I remember when he passed away as one of my dad's really good friends, a man who was supporting himself, loving God, supporting his wife, supporting his church. Life had changed, clean. And people said that man was a waste of time. But he wasn't a waste of time to my dad. Putting our faith into action is what tears down walls. It's what makes people feel and see love and the love of God. It's what makes a difference. So I just want to thank all of you who are with us Thank you for helping us do this. Thank you for helping us put our faith into action. And let's continue to be a force that restores pride in the Lake City. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We love you. We hope to see you back next week. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Have a great week.